Welcome back to the Coffee with Kojo podcast, produced by the School of Communication and Journalism at South Dakota State University. My name is Rocky Daly, and I'm an associate professor in the school. This week, student host Sam Schauer talks with Lowell Hag, coordinator for projects and programming in the Jaeger Media Center and Kojo alum. I grew up in north central South Dakota on a farm between Hoven and Gettysburg. Oh, okay. I think I know where that, I, I know where Hoven and Gettysburg is, so I know that area. In many ways, we talked about we could see the end of the earth by looking west. So I went to high school in Gettysburg, just like my mom and the rest of my siblings. Uh, for that, then uh, I came to college at South Dakota State University. Uh, following my parents and my two eldest siblings. I came to SDSU uh, seeking a degree in journalism. That is because uh, during my freshman year of high school, a new family moved to town. They bought the local newspaper, the Potter County News. And uh, I followed my best friend, their son. I had a son they had a son in my class. He, we became best friends. I followed him home one day. Actually, it was followed him to work. And after a week, his dad, uh, Jack Stoner, said, uh, if you're going to come here, you're going to work or you're not going to come. And I went home, asked my folks, and um, they said I could get a job there. And basically, I've been in uh, some form of uh, media since then, starting out as a proofreader, then uh, as a still photographer. Okay, okay. Um, So then also, so then they have a... uh uh, what a mass communications media degree back then? I think they don't have it now, right? But they did have it back then. Right. So at that time, there were there were two degrees. Uh, they were in separate departments, which is now been unified into Kojo. Uh, so I came to be um, basically at that time. It was like print journalism was uh, really the push for here as a journalism major. And then over in speech, there was a mass com, which was the production side behind the scenes. And uh, since I didn't want to be a reporter for the Argus Leader writing political stories, it was so much more fun to be the guy but working behind the scenes with cameras and, and graphics and audio that uh, that really is what lit my, lit my fire for production, the love. Okay, okay. Also, uh, I have a question. Uh, so we have a, I guess we had a call-in. Jim Helland uh, told me to ask about this time. Uh, what second floor young was uh, anything happened on that floor? Oh yeah, there's a piece of history there that, <laughs> that changed how uh, all universities are on campus. Back uh, when we were soft, uh, was it freshmen? Yeah, I think it was. I think it was our Jim and I were, were we both lived on second young, and uh, it was uh, the Saturday night before Super Bowl Sunday. A bunch of the guys on our floor organized um, a drinking event called Mega Cake. They advertised across campus for a week, <laughs> so it was on the, on the chalkboards. And uh, so that night, I believe it was over 2,000 cups or toothpicks or whatever were sold. Uh, I think it was 32 16-gallon cakes were consumed, all done under the auspices of the appropriate rules that you could only have four kegs on the floor at a time. But uh, probably the actual rule was, as Jim has reminded me, is probably four kegs total in a, in a day, not 
<laughs> eight times that. Of course, that photo was a uh, photo of that was taken by our classmate Marina Ankin that ran in the in the collegian. And of course, this uh, this event happened in the middle of the legislative session. Collegians go out to the legislature. The, the legislators go. These college kids, they don't do anything. There's no learning there. So um, they, uh, when they had meetings with the Board of Regents, the Board of Regents got hauled before them with apparently like this photo. And so then uh, that May, all campuses became dry in South Dakota where they had not been before. Oh, so you were a part of history right there, huh? I lived it. I don't know that I was actually an active participant. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. So then uh, after uh, you, you uh, graduate college, what did you do after that? Uh, so when I was in college, I started working as a student for South Dakota Public Television, uh, first with public radio and then, South, and then with TV. And uh, that really was my dream job was to get back to working with them. But I had not invested any time whatsoever in preparing a resume reel, things that uh, the faculty here really encouraged students to prepare themselves and give them the opportunities to, when you graduate, you are walking out with a job. So I ended up uh, moving back home, living with my folks and working at the Potacon News again that I had worked on, worked there through high school and through college because there wasn't a position at South Dakota Public TV at that time. Then it was, and I graduated in December, um, stayed here through uh, when classes started in January, at which point the students were here, there was no longer uh, any work for Lowell. Uh, went back there, worked at the local newspaper, picked up a, an advertising route, which in the mid-80s, that was a farm crisis, and very few businesses were buying ads, and uh, I'm very glad I didn't have to live on uh, um, commission. I would have starved, but uh, it was in September, uh, one of the videographer editors at South Dakota Public TV left, had a phone call from Pete Eggert, who was the station manager at the time. He'd seen what I did as a student, uh, running camera, floor director, doing audio, graphics, Basically, the only things I hadn't done were be an engineer, a producer, and a director. And he saw potential in me that uh, I didn't even see in me. And uh, I applied for the job, did an interview with Ginger Thompson, who was a recent guest on the show, and uh, um, got hired. And it's been uh, quite a different uh, experience since then. Never a dull day. Never a dull day. I like that. What did, so then what did you find more appealing in TV rather than uh, print journalism? Moving pictures. <laughs> you know, like I, when I started in high school at the weekly newspaper, I was, a, I, was, I was taking photographs. So I was taking pictures for the newspaper. I was taking pictures for the school newspaper, for the, for the school annual. And um, how often do you get to have like a double truck two-page spread of your photos, very rare. Um, I think the opportunities we had would be like the the Fourth uh, of July parade, uh, the homecoming parade, and uh, when uh, the centennial, and when they're special events. Beyond that, it's just one photo for story. And I want to I put together lots of pictures. And if you think about video, 
you can think about it, there's 30 frames, 30 pictures in every second. And then your camera can move and do stuff, and that's a whole lot more fun, creating that. That does sound like a lot more fun. So then while you're, so what, uh, you worked like nine years for South Dakota Public Television. Uh, what did you find, what did you like most about it? The, it was a, basically that and since then for uh, SDSU Extension and now for the Jaeger Media Center, it's the, the variety of each day. It is not, this is a job where every day is something new. Maybe you're doing, going through the same, using the same tools and same processes, but it's something new. There, it's not the, it's not like working at a, at a factory on an assembly line, putting rivets in. There's, you're talking to somebody new about their story and they're trusting you with their story and, and you do your best to, to, to tell that in an honorable way. I respect that. I like that. That's a that's a good way of how I feel about it too, you know. But uh, speaking of Ginger Thompson, you brought her up uh, last time. I found out that she was part of a movie called Williams and Ree, and uh, I've also been told that you were also a guest member of uh, Williams and Ree. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, it's amazing when you're the technical crew, you soon become part of the cast. And uh, the, I was I was given a line. Uh, it's in the it's the scene where Terry Ree is singing the Little White Dove song, and uh, and so all of a sudden the cameraman behind the scenes is put in front of the camera with a group of all these attractive ladies, and I'm supposed to say it's Terry Ree. And I, that was a. There's much more to talk about that. This this is probably not the venue for that, but uh, <laughs> we'll just say that I nearly resigned over that production. <laughs> oh goodness, you know that's that's a story that I feel like I would more like tell people if that was the case, but that's just me. So it's probably different when you're the butt end of the joke. <laughs> oh, so anyways, so after that, so then. Um, once you were done with public television, you came back to SDSU. Can you talk about that? Oh, no. Um, public TV downsized. Downsized, okay. And uh, they went from having two uh, studios down to one, and at which point I was the one person transitioned from South Dakota Public TV to SDSU to continue the programs I was working on. That would be the weekly, um, in the summertime, uh, hour-long gardening program called Garden Line, hosted, uh, produced... Originally produced and hosted by Tom Bear, where everything's green, growing, creeping, crawling in your lawn or your garden. Uh, I got uh, over, I think it was 28 seasons, and I started working on that as a student. Um, was off for a couple of years when I was gone, but then when I came back at working for public TV and then continuing working through Extension, I was from a, just a regular crew member to being the director to being the producer. Uh, the other program was Midwest Market Analysis that I directed. It was an ag marketing program, half hour long. Both of those aired on South Dakota Public TV. And the Public TV is still one of those. They're, they were very, very popular programs. And uh, so they still wanted them to be produced. The The people that were the, the panelists were all extension people here at SDSU. And so you know, somehow in the, uh, the reconfiguring of things, I was outsourced from public TV to being at SDSU. 
Um, continued uh, garden line until uh, fall of 2011 when the Jaeger Media Center was created. Uh, Midwest Market Analysis went away in uh, uh, July, uh, June of 2003, which then let opened up the door for on-call with the Prairie Doc to begin. Okay, that's a good it's a good segue into my next question. When did you start working with on call? From the beginning. Yeah, um, uh, we did a pilot episode. Started working on it in January of two thousand three. Uh, got it. Um, that was kind of a train wreck. I'm very I'm very glad that no tape of that exists anymore. It was very ugly, but um, but it was somehow enough. It got. Uh, Dr. Holmes' idea of having a medical issue program to counter all the junk that you want, you want, you want a, a source where it's truth and honest and compassionate. And so we're, we're now in our celebrating our 20th season, even though it's not 20 years of uh, doing that TV program. And I, I, earlier this year, I was trying to count up the number of episodes and, and, uh, I don't remember the math anymore. In our early years, we were doing like up to 45 episodes in a year. It was every, every whatever day it was, Thursday or whatever that was available that wasn't tied up with uh, some uh, high school activity event or fundraising. We were live. Wow. Uh, did the format ever change or was it always the same, uh, mainly for the show? Um. Basically, the format has always has been the same. Where there's a uh, there's like two roll-ins, uh, studio and question and answer, and uh, an essay. Um, I can't remember at what point along the way we went from being a half-hour pre-recorded episode to being live in prime time, okay. and going from thirty minutes to sixty minutes. Okay. Uh, was it also always like uh, like student helps like it is today, or did did, it, did you have like an actual crew to help you at the time? <laughs> no, I was the crew <laughs> with students. That 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 was the business model for most of uh, public TV productions as well. Um, you had a limited number of staff, and uh, they may have filled certain key roles like director and producer. And, uh, audio, but not on all productions. Um, when working for public TV as a student, uh, fundraising would be a great time. There was a, 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 a class called uh, TV Activities. It was a one-credit course, um, and for that one credit, you would work 40 hours for public TV. And, uh, and so if fundraising, like in March, there would be fundraising, you could easily work those 40 hours in one week with all the... You would go live at like 6.45 and you have do break-ins every 20, 30 minutes until uh, 10 p.m. And so when you do that seven day, Oh, well, that, that'd be Monday through Friday and then Saturday, you'd probably start at noon and end at 10 or 11 p.m. That'd be... Uh, that, that day would be split into two shifts. So you easily could pick up all, all those hours, and then you would get paid after that. It's a different era than today. Yeah, no kidding. So then um, I just want to talk about your uh, roles. So as the Jaeger Media 
uh, center coordinator. What kind of what does your job entail? <laughs> I'm a calendar keeper. <laughs> well, it's more than that, but uh, some of it boils down to that. Uh, other parts are when it comes time to purchase equipment, uh, uh, I put to use my over 35 years of experience in broadcasting to identify uh, an appropriate camera with a, in a reasonable price, tripods, teleprompter, lights. Um, then uh, since we have no um, television engineer here, then you also then are the one who's physically assembling the equipment and so that's ready to be used and maintain, maintaining it in goodness then the, the the number of personal computers that you use now in a production live production versus what it was there was a, some special dedicated uh computer that was like your character generator that had maybe eight colors um in the 1980s the the world has just changed dramatically there was no Photoshop. There was no um, Premiere, no, none of the Adobe Suite or, or uh, Final Cut. Yeah, no, I can't imagine like working in TV back then. You had like uh, what, like strips of B-roll? You couldn't just find it off the internet or something. Or? Yeah, there was no internet, <laughs> <laughs> and you would have to go shoot. And uh, at that time, we were shooting on our field tapes were three-quarter inch. Uh, with tapes, U-Matic, um, graduated up to Betacam at some point. Uh, in my career, I've also shot in uh, Panasonic's. Um, I can't think of the format, but it was it was it was not Betacam, not the same quality. Um, and uh, then graduated to uh, DV Cam was a step into the digital world while still being in. Um, in an analog tape format, then eventually now to we're shooting on memory cards. Good. I'm glad everything's gotten a lot easier. Hopefully, right? Um, you, you know, it, easier. I'm. You can you can do a lot more things, but then do you really need to? The 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 like the Adobe Suite has so many effects that you can just drag and drop onto onto your timeline where your transition is, and it's like. Do you really need this stupid 3D move or whatever? Yeah. <laughs> Excuse my old school language of an evaluation, but it's like, yes, it's nice, but uh, did you need to? In your, as you're telling your story, um, you know, I'm a fan of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of strange, unique wipes. Um, you know, because I think of like a sunrise uh, on a horizon, and you use the sun as part of your wipe transition. And it's the creative process in in adapting just a simple wipe, a circle wipe, and compositing it with your shots. That is far more telling than some electronic um, toaster effect, kiki, where. Uh, where this silhouetted lady is like a lamp uh, window shade, ooh, slip, or sheep that uh, the legs flutter. It's all really f- cool, fun stuff. But it's like, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can respect that. I get that. So, 
Uh, I got one more question for you, Lowell, and um, I'm kind of hoping that it's a really it's a really funny one. So, you've been a what production manager, production assistant for a long time. Uh, have you seen any like? F- uh, can you tell any funny stories of like things that happened behind the camera that have happened live that the people probably don't know about today? Uh, this audience probably doesn't know about. Uh, while I've been on a, on a crew, we've had uh, several crew members faint while operating cameras during live productions. Um, probably one of the most recent one was uh, Dr. Evans was the host. Uh, camera operator uh, fainted. Uh, having, I, I just thought it was an insane schedule of getting up at midnight, going to work at uh, Dakota News Now, and then was still up working, gone classes, you know, drive to Sioux Falls, drive back, do classes, then working uh, a live on-call episode, and um, fainted. And so the doctor just rips the mic off and leaves the set. Well, the the guest is, is trying to answer the question, and he's like, um, go to the roll-in. Because <laughs> you can hear in the audio the person falling. <laughs> And thud, and I don't know, and, and so then the doctor actually, uh, no, Ginger was the producer. Ginger took the student to the emergency room at the hospital, and by the time we, um, by the time we got out of the roll-in, we were back, and it was just a normal episode, but uh, it, it's live television. You you continue until your, your, the time for your light and the production is goes dim. And so you've got your, uh, for example, uh, with on public television, we have 56 minutes and 46 seconds we're going to fill with nonstop programming. We have no commercials whatsoever. And uh, you do your job. Yeah, you know, that's kind of one of my... Uh, <laughs> uh, kind of one of my fears, I guess you could say, is just falling on camera and they, ju- they just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, in, as a part of a student, I worked at a radio. St- I, I had to do for a class. I had to do a number of uh, of um, newscasts, and so since I live out in North Central South Dakota, I, I contacted the radio station KLLY AM thirteen hundred in in Mobridge, and um, let's just say that uh, the Lowell Hig you're listening to today sounds so much more calm and collected. Then the guy who was trying to read the news, that mouth was like cotton dry. And uh, there was a lady there that uh, she made a flub on the air and she talked about, you know, I've got rented lips and a sunburnt tongue or, or a rented tongue and sunburnt lips, whatever it was. And it was just like, I latched onto that and it's like, you know, you, you make fun of yourself so you're going, as you're going along because how else will you do your job? You still got to be on the air live. But it's like, okay, yep, I flubbed up. So what? Keep moving on. Our next episode will be available on April 8th. This podcast is the property of the School of Communication and Journalism at South Dakota State University, which reserves all rights to its use. Music by Cody M. Johnson and Tyler Addison James is licensed through AMP Music. <laughs>